there's so much good stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I don't think anybody can complain because this is the sermon of God himself. And so we're just kind of continuing on. And the next lesson to be uh, taught by Jesus, our God, Matthew 5, 16 through 48. And some really deep theological uh, uh, important things that Jesus explains in this uh, section of Matthew. And I'm going to give you uh, the answer to the question at the very front. I'm going to give you the punchline <laughs> so it's easier to follow, okay? Because we're going to be covering 16 through 48, a lot of verses. So at the very end, verse 48, Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. All right? So keep that in mind as we go through these passages here. I titled this, Works Don't Work, which, kind of lead, which leads to legalism. And we'll explain that a little later. Okay? But those are the key themes that we need to de define. But Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So this is after all the Sermon on the Mount uh, kind of proverbial tidbits that we went through, that blessed are those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, etc. So I want to give uh, just a couple points here that lead us into these passages. Um, whenever I try to explain Christianity to a non-believer, um, sometimes I talk in big swaths of themes just to make it simple. Um, and I thought I'd do that for you guys as well. Sometimes we get into the weeds and it's kind of their theological themes and uh, sometimes they're applicable to us and sometimes not. And sometimes they're easier and harder to understand. But I like to say this, <clears throat> the Old Testament, okay, that's half the Bible, <laughs> the Old Testament was God's way of entering into humanity and establishing a relationship with his creation, right? The Old Testament, Old Testament law and the prophets, right? What is the law? The law of Moses, right? Written on the tablet. Uh, the Apostle Paul explains it this way. What was the law for, okay? Romans 3.20 <clears throat> says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, but rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin, okay? So what was the purpose of those Ten Commandments? <clears throat> A holy God came into imperfect earth, and established a relationship. Why? Okay? Um, by, if you follow these Ten Commandments, our modern day, fast forward 2,000 years later, 2024, okay, if we follow these Ten Commandments, are we justified in God's sight? No, we're not. Romans 3.20 explains it very well. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous, in God's sight, by the works of this, these laws. Rather, the law became 
through the law, we became conscious of our sin. That's what it did. It, ex- it revealed to us that humans are, are fall short of God's glory. And then the New Testament, all right, the second half of the Bible, all right, we are modern-day Christians. The New Testament speaks of Christ coming in. God himself enters the world and, and explains and fulfills the law. It's almost like me trying to explain pickleball to you, all right? I could explain pickleball uh, uses a wiffle ball, which is lighter than a tennis ball, doesn't bounce as high as a tennis ball, but it's heavier than a, than a wiffle ball. That's kind of like what the New, New Testament is about. God established these laws kind of in written form, you know, inscribed on these tablets, all right? And then all the religious leaders wrote another 613 laws that these things are good to follow too. And then Jesus came and says, I have come to fulfill the law. Look at me. This is what it looks like. It's like a classic way of teaching, right? Uh, You could go to driver's ed class and learn, "This this is how you do the clutch, this is how you do the pedal, this is how you do the turn signal. But then you have to get in the car and move it. This is what it looks like. Jesus came and said, this is what it looks like. So legalism, however, here's that term, all right? Legalism is the thought that I could fulfill the law, be perfect without outward rules, okay? Legalism is thinking that I can be self-justified Perfect in God's sight, holy, righteous, with outward rules, by following this code, all right? That's legalism. So we often think that the law is bad because it's legalistic, right? But Jesus says, no. He thinks, God thinks, Jesus said the, the law is good. So as modern-day Protestants and New Testament Christians, we often poo-poo the Old Testament, (laughs) don't we, right? But here Jesus, God himself is saying, no, the the Old Testament is good. The law is good. Let's read on in verse 7. Although the law brought death, all right, as written in words on stone, it came with God's glory, however, which made Moses' face so bright that the Israelites could not continue to look at it. Okay, we're thinking about Cecil B. DeMille's, you know, Moses came down. He was transfigured. Oh, a few weeks ago, I said somebody else was transfigured. You know who it was? Jesus himself was transfigured. So this is, uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is out of 2 Corinthians 3, 7 the Apostle Paul, the law brought death with it, with the words on the stone. It came with God's glory, which made Moses' face so bright that the Israelites could not continue to look at it. But the glory that later, but that glory later disappeared. 
So surely the new way that brings the Spirit has even more glory. What is the new way? Jesus is coming, life, death, and resurrection, and the giving of his Holy Spirit. Then he says, if the law that judged people guilty of sin had glory, surely the new way makes people right with God has much greater glory. So here's Jesus back to Matthew. Jesus is saying, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. That's kind of odd, right? As New Testament Christians, we just think, oh, I just follow Jesus. Whatever he said and taught, I follow that. Interesting that he says, I, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Okay, so we need to unpack that. <clears throat> Whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Wow, we don't often teach that, do we, as New Testament Christians? We don't often teach that. Whoever teaches and practices the Old Testament laws (laughs) will become great in the kingdom of heaven. That's kind of foreign to us. Check this out. He says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, as we get into the weeds here, Jesus is going to give like three or four examples. So you won't get lost. Go back to what I initially said. I gave you the punchline in verse 48. What was verse 48? God says, I need you to be perfect as God is perfect. I gave you the Old Testament to show you what my standards are. I came in the flesh in the New Testament to show you what it looks like, right? And here in these next few passages, Jesus, God, explains, gives like three or four examples. Here we go. We'll go kind of fast. You have heard it said to the people a long time ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Right? Where, where does that come from? You ever heard it said a long time ago? Where? In the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder. Okay? You have heard it said, but I tell you, this is the fulfillment of the law, a more complete understanding of my standards of what? Verse 48. Be perfect. So God is explaining the perfect standard. But I tell you that anyone that is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to my brother or sister, raka, which means contempt, is answerable to the court. And any, anyone, or anyone says, you fool, will be in danger of hell fire. Okay, so it's not just thou shalt not commit murder, but... If you have this attitude toward your brother and sisters, Jesus, God is saying, that's kind of the same thing. You might not think so, but these are my standards of perfection. Another example, he says, you may have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Referring back to the Ten Commandments. 
But I tell you that anyone who looks upon a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. This is God's standard, the fulfillment of the law. Then he goes on to say, in these graphic details, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. For it's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. What does that mean? Well, if we took that literally, there would be nothing of us left. <laughs> right? We'd be, we'd be like uh, maybe a speck of a fingernail. My fingernail hasn't caused me to sin. So God, Jesus, is explaining the Old Testament law. I have come to fulfill the law, fully explain it to you, my holiness, and look at me in the flesh. This is what it looks like. He's using hyperbole here as well. To an ex- feels like an extreme level. So what is it telling us, right? What do we get that from this? Obviously, Jesus is explaining you can't be legalistic and, and do, uh, I don't know, 319 of the laws and become perfect, right? You can't do that. You have heard it said, here's a couple other examples he gives. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn left cheek also. If anybody sues you and takes your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two with them. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Again, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Okay, this is part of the Old Testament law and the prophets. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All right, are you seeing the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Connections between the Ten Commandments and the Law of the Prophets and Jesus, God, coming to earth and saying, this is the complete whole story of what I want you to do. And what is that? Verse 48, be perfect as I am perfect. I want my creation to be perfected. It then goes on to give an example. If you love those who love you, like in a transactional way, like everybody else basically, right, in this world, if you only love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you only greet your only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Here it is, verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So this is God's standard. This is God's standard, and it's basically telling us that we cannot self-justify ourselves with religion. We cannot perform for God, do enough rituals, say enough prayers, ring the bell. Sometimes I like saying going to temple, okay? Because when we hear the word temple, what do you think of? People kind of ritualistically going to 
temple, lighting incense, spinning some wood things, ringing a bell. <laughs> I don't know what else they do in temple at other, across the, the, the globe. But we do it here as well. We have our own religion, rituals as well, right? Sometimes we, we recite, you know, the Lord's Prayer uh, kind of ritualistically, right? Our Father who art in heaven, help be in the name. Thy kingdom come, right? We just kind of can rattle it off. If we, if we say that prayer many times, does it make us more righteous in God's sight? Not necessarily. You know one of our close Christian Protestant cousins, right? They, repair, they repeat prayers repetitively, right? I don't want to offend our close cousins, of which many of you probably have friends that also call themselves Christians, but they have, you know, little amulets and jewelry and whatnot that they repeat prayers repetitively. So legalism, Jesus is basically saying, this is my standard. I have come to perfect the law, be perfect, and legalism to outward rules won't work. So how do we apply this? All right. How do we apply this? Again, the title of today's message, Works Don't Work. Works don't work for our relationship with God. Works don't work for our relationship with God. But because of the relationships, we have a new uh, standing in relationships to God. Because of God coming to earth, offer of salvation and forgiveness and paying the price of uh, sin in the world, you're my sin, we are now sons and daughters, reconciled to God by God's initiative. So how do we apply this? We need to let go of legalism. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm not legalistic. Well, let's apply this. Many of us, have grown up with and have been ingrained with performance-based approval, right? Many of us, most of us, have grown up with performance-based approval. And turning our, we need to turn our devotion, and we turn our devotion to God into works and legalism. Think of the Bible Belt, Okay, the Bible Belt, that is kind of a term of the, I don't know, South, Mid, Mid, Middle America, kind of, uh, where the, they say there's a church on every corner, so lots of the businesses shut down, right, um, on Sundays. We, see if it, we even see a little bit here in liberal California, what businesses do you know of that shut down on Sundays? You know of any? I could think of two. Chick-fil-A. You cannot get a Chick-fil-A burger on Sunday. Why? Because they're a Christian founding organization, and they close for business on Sunday. Because why? Because they're trying to uphold the law that says what? Honor the Sabbath 
and keep it holy. Now, you and I are feeling this little mixed message, like, yeah, we honor the Sabbath. We, we go to the church on Sunday. Isn't that a good thing? But here, the Bible is saying, well, we'll continue on. Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul says, even specifically, rites and rituals that we have freedom in Christ about. Let's take a look. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. The Apostle Paul even addresses that commandment about the Sabbath. Check it out. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or what you drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon festival, or a Sabbath day. There it is right there. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in God himself, in Christ. Interesting, huh? I hope that piqued your interest of me saying, we don't even have to keep the Sabbath, all right? You don't have to keep a tithe, okay? Churches, there are many traditions that if you don't do certain things, you were like shamed, <laughs> right? If you miss certain attendance, all right? Can we close our doors and... I don't know, worship in Lake Tahoe? Is that allowed? It's going to feel really weird. <laughs> okay? Yeah, not only cold, but, I mean, this is our ritual. This is where we, like, worship within the four walls of a, quote, church. But there is freedom in Christ. So, in other words, we not only worship God on a Sunday, but we, God lives in us now. Where's, where's God's temple? Where is it? Where's the temple of the Holy Spirit? So when I say this, keeping the Sabbath is kind of, you know, you don't have to keep the Sabbath. Every day that we live, we can honor God, right? Every day. We could say, this is the day that the Lord hath made, right? I will rejoice and be glad in it. And we, we honor God, that's a Sabbath. Interesting, huh? Colossians 2, 16. Don't let anyone judge you even on a Sabbath day. So, applying this again. So, uh, I would encourage you to think vertically and horizontally. Let's try not to be legalistic with God, our relationship with God. We don't have to earn points for God. We don't have to earn brownie points we don't have to perform. We, don't, we need to heal from the authority figures that were in our lives, either religious uh, authority figures or our parents or grandparents or our extended family where we got our identity and approval from. But we need to look to God and heal from that is that we don't have to be legalistic, and earn God's approval, all right? Because God wants us as sons and daughters. So we need to meditate on God changing our mind. We don't have to perform for God's approval. Indeed, in the Asian culture, 
or many other performance-based cultures, there are so many codes and rules, aren't there, <laughs> of, of what you need to do to be acceptable. Anybody been to Japan? Uh, they have so many codes of behavior. It's, right, uh, how to use your chopsticks, where to place your chopsticks. You can't stick your chopsticks in your rice sticking up. You know, that's like offensive somehow. They have three different types of speech, language, right? There's like normal, polite, and there's really polite, and there's really, really polite uh, language to use depending on the situation. Do you want to ask where the bathroom is? If you ask, oh, where's the benjo? Ooh, not everybody use that, <laughs> okay? All right, I know two ways to say the bathroom. I think Benjo means like, where's the peapod or something like that? Something really crude, like, like if you're in the military, you know. I'll just leave it at that, <laughs> okay? Really crude. But a nicer way to say it is what? Is oterai is the, a more polite way to say that. This, they have a, many of you take off your shoes before you enter the house, right? Just because of... That's what we do, right? But in Japan, man, they have a strict <laughs> no-shoe policy, right? If you come into the house with your shoes on, you feel like all the eyes of Japan looking on you and shame, right? Right? If you do that and forget. Now, there's nothing wrong with etiquette, right? There's nothing wrong with etiquette, but uh, sometimes it transforms into performance, a Approval, looking for acceptance and shame, okay? That's what I was trying to say, a shame-based culture. Shame-based culture, that's what we need to heal from. Let's look at this funny, let's look at this classic clip from the Joy Luck Club about etiquette, the do's and don'ts, right? All right, wrapping up uh, today's message. The application is to think vertically and horizontally. Meditate on allowing God to change our heart. We don't have to perform for God's approval. All our sins of commission, all the things in our past, as far as the east is from the west, God has cast these into the depths of the sea. Happy is the person whose sins are forgiven, who God does not account to you. A couple of weeks ago, a month ago, I heard another pastor said, no fishing in the ocean. <laughs> Looking for your past sins, digging them up, no fishing allowed. God has forgiven our sins of omission as well. Those areas where we fall short or don't even know that we fall short. God has established that relationship with you and I as sons and daughters. So whatever is in our past, thinking of the prodigal son, the younger brother, sins of commission, and the older brother even of resentment, jealousy, and all those other things, God wants that relationship with us. As God changes our heart, allow God to change our minds, too. That is freedom in Christ. 
we do not have to perform for the relationship. Things like uh, when criticism comes along, all right? If our identity is in performance, oh, any amount of criticism cuts, right? Like a scarcity economy. Think about the first family, Cain and Abel, right? God criticized Cain's sacrifice. It felt like to him to choose was to exclude Cain. That's what Cain felt like. All right. It's a new economy as sons and daughters of God. I'm going to read a quote out of 1 John 4, 17 for you to help meditate on. Then I'll play a a worship song. Uh, God, you say, I'm a child of God. That is who I am. I forgot the title of the song. What's the title of that song? Who You Say I Am? Who You Say I Am, right? We'll close with that. But let me read first out of 1 John 4, 17. This is how God wants to combat legalism and performance-based um, approval. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on that day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, but the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We can love. We love because he first loved us. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for this uh, day, this Sabbath day, God. Sabbath was actually not even on Sunday. It was a Saturday. So, God, help us renew our minds in thinking that we don't need to follow rules, but there's freedom in you. That our identity as sons and daughters is not based on performance. Help us, for those that were... uh, have a lot of baggage from that, from their um, families of origin, from their uh, authority figures, for the people that they esteem and follow, God, and get their identity. We uh, pray for healing from those performance and shame-based systems, God. We pray for healing, and we thank you for freedom in you that uh, you love us just the way we are. So these things we ask and all God's people said, amen.